decades past, uh, I think it could be reasonably assumed that congregations within the Free Church of Scotland would know the Westminster Shorter Catechism of my heart. You know, it could be reasonably assumed uh, that congregations would maybe have sort of memorized that sort of summary of, of, of doctrine that we adhere to. It would be the sort of thing that we would teach our kids in Sunday school, and it would be the sort of thing that we would go home after church and maybe read over. Now, I'm guessing, and I really hope that I'm not doing anyone a disservice here at all, but I'm guessing that that's no longer the case. I'm guessing that we are not maybe quite as familiar with the Westminster Shorter Catechism as, uh, as we used to be as years past. Well, even if that is the case, then surely it's true that many of us do know how the shorter catechism begins. Do we? We don't know the whole thing. Maybe we know how it begins. So I'll tell you what, I'll give you the first question and answer to the catechism. You, you see if it rings any bells for you. Okay, here we go. First question is this. What is the chief end of man? Okay? It's a big question, isn't it? I mean, it's basically, what's the purpose of life? What, what's going on here? What is man's chief end? And what's the, what's the answer that's given? Man's chief end is to glorify God. Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Well, what I want us to do this morning as we go through these verses that we've just read in the book of Acts is really just to consider whether we are doing that. Are we? In the way we live, are we living for God's glory? Could that be said of you? Is this our supreme desire of your heart? Is it the honor and the praise of Jesus Christ? Or, how about this? Or, in the way we live, are we actually absorbing? Or maybe are we stealing some of that glory for ourselves? So that's what we're going to think about this morning, just for a short time together. So you know what I'm going to ask you? Please have your Bible open. If you've got a Bible, maybe it's one of the church Bibles there, please have it open in Acts chapter 12. And let's think about the first point here, and that is the problem of praise. The problem of praise. Problem of praise. Now last week, do you remember what we looked at last week? We saw Peter's miraculous escape from prison. That fantastic episode. Love that episode. Well, as the next section begins here, we're met by quite a bit of sort of background information by Luke here. Do you see what we're told at the beginning of this section? We're told that there's a quarrel. We're told that there's an argument that exists between this guy, King Herod, and the people of Tyre and Sidon. Now, what this quarrel, what this argument is about, we're not entirely sure. But I tell you this, what we do know is that it's very, very important. Because, you know, the, the people of Tyre and Sidon, Tyre and Sidon were coastal towns up there in the west. Coastal towns that relied upon Herod and all the areas that he controlled for their very survival. They relied upon Herod for food. And so do you see the problem? Like if... If relationships break down with time side and, 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 and Herod, come on, these people, whoa! You know, their very survival is called into question. So do you see what they do? See what they do? 
They get a mediator involved. They're panicking about their survival. So they go to Herod's right-hand man. They go to his sort of trusted servant here. And they're sort of saying, oh, right, okay, you're on side now. You please act on our behalf. You go and speak to Herod. Now, come on. Of all the names that we have encountered so far in the book of Acts, you know, from the Agrippas to the Aquilas, surely the name that you've got in front of you is supreme among, among them all, is it not? I won't ask you a favour as a congregation. Can the next baby that we uh, baptise as a congregation, please, can we call it, do you see it? Blastus. And that's the name, isn't it? Blastus. Well, Blastus is this mediator. And he arranges for the people of Tyre and Sidon to have an audience with King Herod. So that's the background. But here's the thing. What happens on the actual day of Herod's death itself? Well, Luke tells us. But there's another name you need to know. And it's the name Josephus. We are indebted to this man, Josephus. Josephus, you've probably heard the name in church before. Josephus was a sort of first century Jewish historian. So he's around at the time. And he recounts Herod's demise in a great amount of detail. He tells us loads about it. It's all complimentary with Luke. And really, do you know what happens? If we put what Luke tells us together with what Josephus tells us, we really have to think about the East End of London. Think about the Olympic parks. Remember the Olympic Park during the games. Do you remember that? Because you see, what we know is that Herod's death, it took place during a games, during a festival in, in honour of the Roman emperor. Now, that's why in verse 19, do you see the first verse that you've got there? We are told that Herod goes up from Judea to Caesarea. Do you see that? Now, we know that he's doing that. He's making that journey because he's going up to these games that were held in Caesarea, Okay. Now, does that help you? Does that help you imagine what's going on here? Now, 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 picture the scene. The games. Herod enters the arena. You know, to all this applause. And Luke tells us he is wearing these sort of royal robes. I don't know what Marianne and Aisha and other, other sort of fashionistas think about this, but Josephus tells us that King Herod here is top to tail in bright, shiny, silver garments here. And there's all this applause and people are screaming and he takes his seat upon this throne. And you can tell, you know, he's really, really milking this, isn't he? He's loving this. And he speaks, he addresses the crowd and see what they shout to him? This is not the voice of a man. This is the voice of a God. And Herod, he drops down Now, here's what I want to ask you. See this this morning, you know, this reading about Herod's death, listening about Herod's death. Is this just like a sort of Channel 4 documentary to you? You know, maybe just like a, a documentary in the ancient Roman world, you know, reading about this. Is it, oh, well, it's okay, it's, you know. It's kind of interesting, I suppose, reasonably interesting, but not of any relevance to, to my life. Is that what you're thinking? Can I tell you that this stuff here, this short episode here, it could not be more relevant to us. 
Because the mistake that Herod makes here is the mistake that we all make to one extent or the other. What's the mistake? Herod accepts praise that should have been offered to God, doesn't he? I mean, he's putting himself out there. He's, he's really searching for, 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 for praise. And when it comes, do you see him? He's soaking it up. You know, he doesn't acknowledge God. He doesn't point that crowd to Jesus Christ. Nah, he's sitting on that throne in his shiny gear and he's loving this. Now, is that not what we are like? Is that not what our society is built on? Think about it. We dress ourselves for attention. We put out on display our wealth, our position, our talents. We seek praise, don't we? And when that praise comes, we love it. We revel in that praise. Could it not be said of us, in our heart of hearts, that we love the idea of being worshipped? We love the idea of being praised. Here's the challenge. That is not, that is not what the Christian life is to be like. See, that is the point of Acts chapter 12. The Christian life is not to be like that. Follow me in this. Do you see that there is a contrast here in these chapters? There's a real distinct contrast. I would ask you to do something. In your mind, jump back two chapters. Do you remember Cornelius? Remember that? Remember Cornelius' house? Peter goes into the house and what's he going to do? He's going to preach the gospel and he's going to baptize the Gentiles. And do you remember what happens? He walks into the house and Cornelius does the same as the crowd here. Cornelius falls to the ground and he worships Peter. But what does Peter do? Peter does the opposite of Herod. Peter says, get up man, don't worship me, worship God. Do me another favour. You've jumped back two chapters. Jump forward two chapters from Herod. Who do you have? You've got Paul and Barnabas. And guess what? Just like the crowd here, they are worshipped again. But unlike Herod, they do not accept that praise. They rent their garments. They say, get up, do not worship us. Worship Jesus Christ. Friends, do you see the point? Man's chief end It's not to sort of seek and revel in attention. Man's chief end is to glorify God. And we have to realize that part of that is seeing that everything we have, every single thing we have, whether it be our job title, or whether it be our health, or our looks, or our talents, or our money, all of that, that's nothing to do with us. That comes to us because of God's mercy. That's only ours because of God's love to us. Herod, do you see it? He is living for his own glory. We are to live because of the cross, showing people that glory belongs only to Jesus Christ. So we see here the problem of praise. Okay, secondly... Let's think about uh, the punishment of the proud. The punishment of the proud. Now, you, you know that phrase. You've heard it before, I'm sure. People say, somebody somewhere is trying to tell me something. You've heard that phrase. Somebody somewhere is trying to tell me something. Well, I've kind of had that over the last couple of weeks. 
because not this week, but the week before, I was uh, preparing to preach for last Sunday night on the topic of death. And it was death. Heavy going subject, and you, know, you wrestle with it, and you get get to the end on Sunday night, and it's finished, and you kind of think, oh, okay, phew, that's that's that topic, death, you put to the side for a wee bit, you know. And I sort of get up on Monday morning, go to study, open my Bible, think, what will we what will be preaching on now? Turn to Acts chapter twelve, we've had the death of Abraham, and then I look down and I say, it's death again. It's the death of, of Herod, and I, I couldn't believe it. And I thought, what a coincidence of sorts. And so what I did is I went down the stairs to tell my wife about this coincidence. I wasn't escaping death at all. And my wife was just getting off the phone. And before I told her anything, I said, uh, who were you on the phone to there? She said, oh, don't worry. I was just on the phone increasing your life insurance. <laughs> I just... Somebody somewhere has definitely tried to tell me something. Now, whether we like it or, or, or not, we really cannot get away from the fact that this portion of Scripture is about death. You know, this is a, a portion of Scripture about punishment for sin. And that's, this is the reason that it's here. That's why it is in front of us. Now, there's a couple of things that we should know about Herod's death. Now, first of all, We've got to see, don't we, that God was directly involved in Herod's demise. Now, God instigates this. Look at verse 23. It says that because Herod didn't give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down. Do you see that? That God is involved in this punishment. Do you know, we see there that, that, that sometimes God's punishment on sin, it isn't delayed into eternity. We're seeing here that sometimes God moves in. Sometimes his punishment on sin is immediate. God's involved. But we should also notice, I think, the severity of this punishment. Now, everyone should have a trusty first century Jewish historian. Thankfully today, we've got one. We've got Josephus. And Josephus helps us here. Because Luke gives us some detail about how Herod died. Josephus... He gives us a lot, lot more information about what happened here. Now Luke says, Herod, he said, you know, imagine it, he accepts his praise, he's on the throne and he's struck down. Josephus tells us a wee bit more. Josephus tells us, you know, the crowd is praising him. And the crowd scream these words, you know, this is not the voice of a man, the voice of a God. They're screaming, screaming. And Josephus tells us, bang, right at that point. Herod is bent over double in excruciating abdominal pain. The most intense pain sees him fall. And what we know is that this pain, this this affliction, is going to lead to his death in in just a couple of days. Now, you know, whether he is literally eaten by worms, or whether it's tapeworms, or whether, you know, it's just that expression common to the death of tyrants, that they will be eaten by worms, we don't know. What do we know? We know that this is the most severe punishment on Herod. Now, look, you don't need to tell me, I know this is tough going, you know, eaten by worms and death, and you know, you just got out of your bed. It's tough going. But what I want you to see, friends, 
is that even in Herod's death, there are great encouragements for the people of God. There's great... Hang on, how's that possible? How are there great encouragements here? Let me tell you this. What we see in Herod's death is that there are always punishment. There's always punishment for people who accept praise as God. I mean, that's what's happened to to Herod. And let me say that that is what will happen to all the people throughout the centuries. Think about them. The people who have claimed divinity for themselves. For the people who have tried to sort of raise themselves up above the status of sinful man. Think about all of those wicked men who through religion have taken people by the hand, millions, billions of people, have taken them by the hand and they have led them away from the loving arms of Jesus Christ. That is an abomination. What we see here with Herod is that situation. God will right that heartbreaking wrong. He will. But there's also another encouragement here. Because we see that there's always punishment for us who attack the church. See, that's what's happened, isn't it? I mean, that's what Herod's done. That's who he is. He's the dude at the beginning of chapter 12 who tries to destroy the church by killing the leadership, right? He kills James, imprisons Peter. Now look at the guy. Now look at him. Friends, what we see is that all those Christians... Those poor people in Nigeria today, those poor people who cannot worship God freely in Iraq or or Syria, what we see about them is that God is good and he's just and he's a God who's fair and he's a God who's righteous and he's a God who's loving and he's a God who does not let the wicked stand. Friends, in the end, Christ is going to reign. And everyone is going to see that. And in the end, think about the people in Nigeria and Iraq and Syria. Christ is going to reign. But he is going to reign with his church. You see the encouragements? But come on. It would be remiss of us not to see the other side of it. Wouldn't it? I mean, we can say, oh yeah, there's, an, there's encouragement here. There is. But surely we have to see this morning in the death of Herod the warning that's put before us that there is also always punishment for those who act as God. I mean, that's what Herod's doing there with all these robes in that throne. He's acting as God. And what I want to say to you this morning is that that is what we do. It's what man does outside of Jesus Christ. We act as God, don't we? I mean, do you not see it? Have you been to a funeral of a non-Christian friend recently? Ninety-nine times out of hundred, you're going to hear the same thing. You're going to be piped out of there by the tune of Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Do you see what that is saying to God? Well, you're saying, God, I don't need you at all. We can do it outside of Christ. We can do it our way. We don't need you for heaven. We don't need you for enjoyment in this life. Friends, we, like Herod here, we're outside of Christ. 
We are just acting as God. And what we see with Herod is that that always, always leads to punishment. It has to. I mean, it's pride. It's sin. So I hope, I hope this morning, even if it's for the first time, I hope you see that you need Jesus Christ. I mean, you need Jesus Christ for your eternity. You need Jesus Christ for forgiveness. You need Jesus Christ for spiritual well-being. Why? Well, think about Herod and chuck him to the side. And think about Christ. He's the, the true king. Isn't he? I mean, he is the one who is actually rightly dressed in the divine robes of righteousness. He is the one who is actually quite rightly sitting as a lamb upon his throne. Jesus Christ is quite rightly the one who accepts praise as man and as God. You've got a warning there. But let it be a warning in the death of Herod that sends you running this morning all the more to Jesus Christ, the King. So the problem of praise, the punishment of the proud. Thirdly, um, lastly, let's consider the, the permanence of divine power. Now, I, I don't know what your favourite TV advert is of all time. Whether it's, you know, the... the the Iron Brew Christmas adverts, uh, or whether it is the sort of, the old school sort of Tetley Tea adverts. My personal favourites, I don't know if you remember the old Duracell uh, battery adverts with a rabbit and the drum, if you remember them. You know, what, what would happen is that lots of different batteries would be put into the rabbits and they would bang on their drum for a wee while. I think one by one, all the rabbits would sort of keel over and stop working except the the, 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 the rabbit with the Jewish old battery, he'd be banging his drum onto infinity. Well, friends, it is a contrast in endurance that we are supposed to see and understand in these verses. A contrast in endurance. Because Herod dies. But what does Luke do? Luke inserts one of his sort of customary summary statements in verse 24. What we're supposed to see is a contrast. A contrast between Herod's glory and the glory of God. Did you see what we've got? We've got Herod die. He's struck down. Then Luke inserts that great adversative word, the word but. Do you see it? Herod dies, but the word of God it increases. It spreads. Do you see the contrast? Herod's glory. It's nothing. It's pathetic. It's laughable. God's glory. It endures forevermore. And I wonder, do you see how it comes about? I wonder, do you see how God enters into this chapter? He takes the chapter, shakes it, and turns it on his head. Do you see that? Think about what happened at the beginning of the chapter. Do you remember what we saw? We had Herod up there as the king of Jerusalem. And we had James breathing his last. So we had Herod reigning and we had the church struggling for breath. Then God steps in. This concerned his glory. 
God steps in, he shakes it, he turns the whole situation on its head. How does the chapter end? Well, now we have Herod breathing his last. And what about the church? Well, the church now advances. It increases. Do you see, God's grace is quite simply unstoppable here. And so I want to end like this. Let me read you a verse from Scripture. Please listen to this. God says this, All men are like grass. You are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. What happens to us, what happens to our glory? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Do you see it? Do you see anything from Acts 12? Do you see that any praise that we receive or any glory that we receive is two things. It's one, it's undeserved. But two, it's just passing. It's fleeting. We've also seen in Acts 12 that the glory and the praise that God receives is two things. It is deserved and it will last forevermore. Now, I'm sure you've heard this from your friends and the people you work with. You've heard it on the TV. People say, I want to live a meaningful life. I want to live a life. I want to use the time that I've got left in this, on this earth to do something as substance. I want to turn that around to you. Do you want that as Christians? You know, with the time that you've got left, which isn't much, do you want to do something meaningful? Do you want to do something of substance? If so, you do this. You begin from this day to live your life, not so much for yourself, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. All the decisions you've got to make in the coming weeks and months and years about finance and family and your housing, your talents, all these things. Worry not so much about how this is going to please you and benefit you. Worry much, much more about how you can use those things to bring honor to Jesus Christ. Why? Why Why do that? Because if you do that, not only will you be doing something meaningful with your life, you'll actually be doing something of eternal worth, eternal substance. You see, it is Jesus Christ that, that deserves our praise. Your name and my name is just passing away. In a blink of an eye, our honor is just not worth anything at all. But he, Jesus Christ, he is going to reign as that king, that king in New Jerusalem, he's going to reign forevermore. So I hope you see this morning what Herod should have seen. What should he have seen? Matthew said, Glory to my God, if you enjoy him.